The next set of papers from ASCO focuses on an increasingly interesting disease, hepatocellular cancer, where treatment algorithms are shifting rapidly. Dr. Alan Vanuk began by reviewing a paper evaluating the role of serafinib in patients with HCC from the Asia-Pacific region. This is a very interesting paper. You'll remember last year, what's called the SHARP trial was presented at the plenary session by Josep Jovet from Barcelona. This was a very high-performance status, patients with well-preserved liver function with hepatocellular carcinoma randomized to serafinib versus placebo, and about a three-month overall survival advantage to the serafinib group. Established serafinib as a frontline treatment, it's approved by the FDA and in clinical use. Well, because those patients were so fit and in such good shape, you sort of worried about whether the less fit patients would accrue the same benefit. At ASCO-GI, the SHARP investigators reported on a subset within their study of hepatitis C patients. The benefit appeared to be just the same as it did in the overall population. Now, in the SHARP trial, 18% of the patients on both arms had hepatitis B. We don't have data from those patients yet, and we're hoping to get it. But what the Asian Pacific HCC study showed, and this was what was presented, was that there was also a benefit to serafinib versus placebo in patients from Asia with hepatitis, most of whom had hepatitis B, some with hepatitis C, who got serafinib. Although the very interesting observation is that while the hazard ratio was more or less the same as it was for the SHARP trial, the absolute numbers were drastically different. The placebo group in the Asia-Pacific study having about a four-month overall survival compared to seven-plus months in the SHARP trial. And the group receiving serafinib in the Asia-Pacific trial having a a six-and-a-half-month survival compared to the 10-month overall survival in the SHARP trial. Telling us that these patients in the Asia-Pacific study on both arms did much worse than did patients in the SHARP trial. And, of course, why is that? The discussant, Dr. Yovet, I don't think shed as much light as I might have liked there to have been shed on this issue. It may be as simple as hepatitis B is a virulent viral infection and patients with hepatocellular carcinoma and hepatitis B don't do as well. It's also true that in Asia, patients come to a study like this after a lot of prior treatment. So the sum of that probably tells us that these were not the same patients as included in the SHARP trial. Hepatitis B, a lot of prior therapy, and diminished performance status, but it is reassuring that nonetheless there was a benefit to be had. They actually showed the hazard ratios in the sharp versus Asian, and actually, as you said before, the hazard ratios actually look look almost the same. It was the absolute. The thing that doesn't hold together is that many patients with hepatitis B don't have cirrhosis of the liver, and so probably what this means is that child's pew which is really a measure of cirrhosis, is not a very good discriminator for how patients will do. And we know that from prior studies that one of these more integrated combination stratification groups, such as the CLIP, the Cancer and Liver Italian Program, or the Chinese University Prognostic Indicator, something is better than child's pew. But it is the case that hepatitis B patients get the same benefit. The other point 
is they had a lot more skin toxicity than was reported in the Sharp trial. And as a clinician, I can tell you that's true. Almost every Asian patient I've treated with serafinib has skin toxicity from serafinib, and it presumably is some pharmacogenomic or other manifestation of the drug. But a very important and informative paper to really broaden the scope of who benefits from serafinib. So where you're at in San Francisco, what fraction of your patients are Asian? About half. Interesting. There were several other papers looking at the related issues in regards to serafinib. One is the issue of serafinib with HCC and child PUB. This is a poster presented by Ghassan Abu Alpha, who published the phase two serafinib data in JCO a year ago. And again, SHARP and the Asia-Pacific trial all looked at child's PUA patients. And in the phase two, there were about 30-some patients with child's PUB. And what Abu Alpha presents are a couple of things. One, they did pharmacokinetics on many of these patients. And there does not appear to be a different pharmacology, pharmacokinetics of serafinib dependent on child's PU status. What there is, though, is clearly a lot more hepatic decompensation in patients with child's PUB compared to child's PUA. Now, is that just that they have worsening liver disease and they just are destined to deteriorate faster and you're picking it up on study? Or is it related to the serafinib? Hard to say. The poster suggests, and the package insert does talk about serafinib raising bilirubin by interfering with the enzymatic degradation of bilirubin, its effects on UGT1A1. That may explain a rising bilirubin. It doesn't explain ascites and encephalopathy, which was also seen in a surprising percentage of these patients. I think the message from that poster is that the data with serafinib applies to child's PUA or the high-performance status, excellent liver function patients, and so far, at least, it really doesn't apply to others. So what's the bottom line in terms of clinical use of the agent in these patients? Well, so I think it's appropriate in any patient with child's PUA. Child's PU, again, being calculated by looking at the albumin, a presence or absence of ascites, the INR, and a couple of other parameters. I think child's PUB patients, you need to be extremely cautious. Our approach, for example, will use serafinib in patients as long as their bilirubin is within the normal range. The package insert, of course, the label allows you to use it in any and all patients with HCC, and I think the label is probably too liberal in terms of who's going to benefit. Now, it's not clear that patients do worse with serafinib who have advanced disease, and of course they don't have many other options, but I think we probably need to use it very carefully in these patients who are less fit. What about the issue of the patient with uh, poor performance status? There was a paper presented from the SHARP trial looking at that. What they showed is that even the patients with poor performance status from SHARP got the same benefit as patients who had uh, better performance status. So, again, the sum of the data, and that fits with the hepatitis B data, the sum of the data is that all of these patients get an incremental benefit from serafinib. So it appears to be cytostatic and improve outcome. And again, I think this is reassuring that it wasn't just such an elite group of patients who were treated. But I would caution these are subset analyses, not preplanned, and certainly you need to be cautious in interpreting them. But it is, 
informative that this drug really seems to help most patients with HCC. There was a paper presented on sunitinib and HCC. What was your take on that? This is a study from the Dana-Farber, 34 patients, a phase 2 study with sunitinib. And the median survival, this is a phase 2, was about 9 months, which is okay. To their credit, they did a lot of correlative science. They did imaging, they did a lot of circulating markers, and maybe got some insight into predicting who will benefit and who won't. This is a second phase two of sunitinib and HCC. There was also a European study presented last year. This is data that is interesting. Pfizer, the company that makes sunitinib, is actually planning to launch a phase three randomized study of sunitinib versus serafinib. I, for one, am not sold on this being enough data to launch a pivotal trial, but these patients appear to do reasonably well and it was reasonably well tolerated. They used a dose of 37.5 milligrams of sunitinib, which is less than the standard dose in the average patient. I think the issue for patients with liver dysfunction is going to be the safety of sunitinib at that dose or other dose, and in a bigger study than 34 patients, you'd have to be cautious. So I'm not so optimistic that it's a study we should be doing, but I believe it will be undertaken. Any kind of clues you can get out of this small study? I mean, they only had one response. The main clue is that they looked at DCE MRI. They looked at imaging at what they call K-trans. And at day 15, you could predict who would be the longer-term survivors and who wouldn't based on the change of blood flow to the tumor. You know, that's very interesting, but it's not a go, no-go decision. But if you incorporate that into big studies, wouldn't it be great to do two weeks of a treatment and get an image and say this patient will or won't stand to benefit. So I give them credit in terms of assessing that. I'm not clear that they're going to incorporate these imaging parameters in the phase three, which of course would make it a very complex and expensive study. If they do, well, that would be very nice because it may clue us into who should stay on treatment and who shouldn't. 